Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Leesburg Talk podcast. You're going to be listening to a recording from our midweek teaching that happens on Wednesday nights while students are meeting from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. The adults have an adult Bible study, and uh, this is a recording of, uh, of their study in Romans. You're always welcome to come and join us in person Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8. God bless, take care, and enjoy this teaching. So for Romans 5, we'll start off there. Let's pray real quick. Um, Lord, we come to you now. We thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to be here. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word that shapes us, that directs our paths, that um, continually just uh, changes us. Uh, Lord, as we dive into this section today, I pray that you help us to see it uh, in an appropriate way. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Um, well, listen, we're, we're in Romans 5. Here's, here's my goal for the next two weeks. I want to finish up Romans chapter 5 tonight and then do the majority of Romans chapter 6 next week. And then the next week, um, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to pause Romans for the summer because um, I'm going to be gone half the summer. Uh, and so I want it to be kind of whatever. I thought maybe we could do a lot of topical stuff, but I know you all probably, you know, you've got trips planned, and that way you don't feel like you miss anything if you're gone for a week or two. You know what I mean? And so we'll do topical things. I might be here one week. Sammy might be here the next. Who knows, right? So we'll have something here each Wednesday night um, through the summer, and then in the fall we'll probably pick back up with Romans um, and kind of continue that. Because Romans 6 is really, once we get that, that's a pretty good shift uh, shift position. So, um, so I think that'll work. Does that sound good? Sound like a plan to you all? Um, I just got a new book I, th- I thought maybe we could use for the summer. Um, why should I trust the Bible? And I think that's such an important question for us to be able to answer, but also for us to be able to demonstrate with our kids, right? Well, you, people say, well, you know, how do we know it's not been altered and changed? And we've talked a little bit about some of that here on Wednesday nights, but but I thought maybe we could do some of that stuff throughout the summer, some apologetic type stuff, um, why we believe what we believe type of stuff. I thought that might be fun. Um, Romans 5, we, we kind of wrap up Romans 5 today in the second half. If we look at the chapter as a whole, uh, we've got two halves. Last, the first half we talked about last week, and we we're dealing with we're 1 through um, 12, or 1 through 11, and now 12 through 21 is the second half. And, and we've established through, let's look at the lo- logical flow of Paul's argument. Uh, Paul states that we're all sinners, chapters 1, 2, and 3, we're all sinners, every single one of us, and God has justified me by his grace alone. Um Here's our problem today, okay? We understand that we've I mean, we've kind of beaten this dead horse, you know. Again, as Paul's writing this, he's writing it to be read uh, aloud for people. Uh, we're kind of dissecting it, and we're talking about 10 verses in an hour. You know what I mean? Like we're taking a lot more time than Paul probably intended to be dealt with uh, in this letter. Um, but here, here's our problem. Paul says you're justified freely by God's grace. That's the big theme from last week, right? God's grace rescues us. 
we're, 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 we're able to be made new because of what God's done. It's nothing that I've done. Like Abraham was justified uh, by his faith prior to, uh, uh, prior to action that he took. Likewise, Paul's saying we can be justified because of the action that Christ took. The problem with that is I see my sin every day, and you see your sin every day. I look in the mirror and I think, how could God forgive me? I, I, I know very well, it's almost as if we think, well, maybe God's getting shortchanged. Maybe he really doesn't know that he's buying a pig with a gold ring. You know what I mean? Like maybe God doesn't understand how bad of a person I truly am. And, and then maybe even more than that, well, how can something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago make an impact on me today? How does that work? Like, if I know the gravity of my sin and my, and my just my horribleness, not just the things I say and the things I do, but the things I think, or, listen, I say some bad things. Some bad things escape my lips. Uh, they're not nearly as dangerous and bad as the things that stay up here. You know what I mean? I mean... I have a very small filter. So imagine. <laughs> you know what I mean? How could God save me being as bad as I am? And how can what he did 2,000 years ago impact me? I live in the results of Adam today. And that's kind of Paul's uh, uh, point here in the, in the beginning of Romans chapter uh, 5. Uh, verse 12. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Well, how does Jesus impact, impact uh, Jesus, what Jesus did impact me today? Well, to answer that, Paul says, listen, look what happened with Adam. You live under Adam's curse today. We, we're all, we recall the, the account of Adam and Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis. 1, 2, everything's good, everything's great, perfect. Uh, the only bad thing was that uh, man was alone, and so God created Eve, put them in a garden with one rule. Don't eat from this tree. Right? But what happens? I mean, in the evangelical world, we like to make fun and say, well, Eve did it. But we know where the fault truly lies. See, God told Adam not to do it. Adam didn't live up to his expectation, his standard. I mean, there's a, there's a, um, hmm. I don't think I run the risk of taking you all off, and so I'll say some things that maybe I shouldn't have said. You, you know, the um, feminist world today, ah, oh, man, fantastic, wonderful, great. However, um, Look, the, look at the issue in the garden. Adam is told, don't eat from the fruit. While Eve is eating from the fruit, where's Adam? Standing there. And he saw that it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And uh, he saw Eve eat it, and she gave it to him. And he said, uh, okay, and he ate it too. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing there in, the, uh, in Genesis chapter 3. He had for, forfeited his authority. He had forfeited his ability to do something beneficial and powerful. 
And there's a biblical precedent there that, that continues to today uh, that stands on the shoulders of us guys. We're, we're to lead our households. We're to lead uh, our families. And if we don't, who led in that situation? The serpent. I mean, that, that, that falls on us quite a bit, guys. And this is carried throughout the Bible in all kinds of different areas. But if we don't lead our households, the Satan will. It doesn't fall to the woman. That's not a chauvinistic statement. That's just a, you say, well, I don't like that statement. Well, repent, <laughs> you know. That's, you know, that's your choice. Um, you don't have to like it, but this is the, the, the standard that's set throughout the Bible. And, um, and the problem today, I mean, think of, think of how crazy the world is today. We discussed last week, there are people literally fighting because they're, because they're afraid they were not going to be able to, to have abortions. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to fight for that? what we're dealing with today in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 what Paul looks to back at Adam is really the answer and and it answers why we live in the world we live in today a a world that's so absolutely perverse they fight to kill babies we don't know what a man is and what a woman is It really goes deeper than that because it, it, you're dealing with, with not just, hear very clearly, I've been working on a, on a, um, a document, a paper, I guess, um, about abortion from a logical point of view and then from a Christian biblical worldview. Because um, I was recently, uh, said, well, you're not very compassionate, you're not very compassionate. Well, it depends on who you ask. You ask you, maybe not, but to the child, yes, that would be quite compassionate to advocate for. Anyway, uh, but but the point she made was true. Sometimes on online, I don't come across very compassionate. I I can be short and okay, fine. But but that, well, that's that's true. It, it, it's all in the, in, in based on how one interprets. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then based on how you read it, you could say, well, yeah, that's not very tactful or whatever. And here's the thing. Maybe it is. In short speech, you can't, whatever, you know. And I didn't care about sounding very compassionate, to be honest with you. I don't care. I'm going to sleep fine, and I I have since. Uh, But I wanted to to deal with just a thorough dealing with abortion and a response to abortion. And I know that uh, some that will read it will be very, it's not going to help anything. They're not going to he- hear or read, compa- fine, whatever, you know. Uh, but here's what I need to understand. What we're dealing with is a demonic threat. And, and, and I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating this. This is a demonic thing. Throughout, throughout Scripture, throughout history, you have civilizations that sacrifice children. And sacrifice children to Moloch, for example, in the Old Testament, right? 
to please the gods of Moloch. Listen, it's demon. It's a demon, right? The demon gods uh, uh, elsewhere in Scripture it's referred to as. We do the same thing today, only we call it choice. We call it women's health. Again, everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Jesus said, this is my body. The gospel says, this is my body that I sacrificed for you. In the world of the abortion advocates, uh, it's my body, it's my choice, and I'm going to sacrifice this body, this other body, for me. You see how it's inverted? It's twisted. It's a demonic thing. And good-hearted people, good-hearted people will uh, advocate for choice. I'm convinced good-hearted people will advocate for choice. I'm convinced that there are some Christians who may be pro-choice, um, but they're in error. And you got to stop. We're all in error at some time, form, space. Uh, when we're in error, our, our, the biblical response is to repent. Not to fight for. Romans 5 deals with why we live in a world that's so calloused. That's so, so calloused toward truth that they can't see uh, clearly. Romans 5 tells us why. This is because through Adam, sin entered the world. And you say, well, how, and that also answers the question as to how can what Jesus did 2,000 years ago make an impact on me today? Well, here's, here's why. We can step back and see how the impact of Adam generations before Jesus is still having an impact on me today. So if one is true, can't the other also be true? You see that logic that Paul's using here? We can clearly see the impacts of Adam because sin into the world just through one man and death through sin. So death spreads to all men because all have sinned. It's, it's a funnel, really. Uh, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. We'll come back to that in just a second. But sin is not counted where there's, well, let's just deal with that now. So, so sin entered the world through one man. That's Adam, right? He negated his responsibilities as a biblical man. Satan led he allowed it to happen. Sin entered. Death came with sin to all people because now all have sinned. We know this from kids, right? We all have kids. Do you have to teach your kids how to hit people or how to be selfish or how to be bad? No. We have to whip them into shape, teach them how to be good, right? Why? Because they are inherent. Here's the thing. Um. And this goes deeper, so I'll just kind of hit it. Um, outside of Christ, this is going to be a big one. Outside of Christ, you're not fully human. Okay. How can one stand up and defend the slaughtering of innocent babies? You can't really. And that's, there's a callousness over your eyes and a darkness in your mind. When, when people are born today, you are not born fully human. 
you're born fallen human. That's what sets Christ apart. See, Jesus, uh, in the uh, Council of Trent, I believe, 300s, there's this big debate uh, looking at, okay, who was Jesus really? Well, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And how does a God-man exist? How does that uh, coincide together? And the result in 300-something, I, I can't remember, the, the church council said, okay, we've consulted the historians and yada, yada, yada. And it appears like this. Uh, Jesus uh, had two natures, fully God, fully man, in one body. We don't understand it, but that's now going to be the doctrine of the church. It's outside of our grasp, our understanding, but generally there's two in one. And in the eternity past, the explanation is, in the eternity past, God set aside his divinity to put on humanity. So, it's as if God has a credit card with him, all right? It's not a stockyard bank, all right? It is, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've seen so many people complain about stockyard bank. I, y'all might work there, so I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, it's, it, it's a gold card, Okay. God's, Jesus' gold card is his credit them its affinity. His number is 777777, which is completion, right? Uh, I've got all kinds of little jokes I can throw in at some point. Um, that's the card he holds, but he chose never to use that card in his humanity. So while, God, while Jesus had the full authority of God, he never used it. That's what Paul says in Philippians. Though being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but yet made himself a servant, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name above all other names, that to the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus had this gold card, but never used in his humanity. We said, well, John, how does that work? Jesus never uses God powers. God powers. I, I, there's probably a better term for that. But God powers is what we're going to go with. Jesus born fully God, but never used it. Fully man and fully God, never used his divinity. Uh, uh, here, here, here's a good phrase. He never used his divinity to live out his humanity. He said, well, Jesus, well, John, Jesus, don't call me Jesus. John. <laughs> Say, John, uh, well, how did Jesus, you know, walk on water? How did Jesus tell the storm to stop? How did Jesus tell the lame man uh, or the deaf man to hear or to walk? Did, isn't that God, Jesus using his God powers? No. And here's why. Who did Jesus say did those things? My Father. My Father in heaven did all those things. Secondly, Secondly, I think it can be argued uh, uh, that Jesus didn't do the, the miraculous was done by the Father, the ordinary everyday wind stop. It's just because he's fully human. See, he can do things we can't do. Why? Because he is fully human and we're fallen human. Think of it like this. In Genesis 1-2, in chapter 1-2, before sin into the world, what was God's directive to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply, rule over. The creative world is your oyster. I've created you to rule. Well, what's the ruler say to the wind? Stop, and it stops. When you rule, you, you rule. You're one with authority. 
the, the, the word that's going to be used later, uh, later on is type. Paul is explaining here in Romans chapter 5 that, that Adam is a type of Christ. A type is a, the word that's used there is a, is a, mold, a molding, all right, caused by an imprint, okay? You've got the type and you've got the anti-type, which is the fulfillment of that type. Uh, Jesus would be the anti-type, a type would be Adam. Paul's point here is Adam is the bad example, a terrible type. But just as sin entered through one person, sin entered, death entered through this one person, his, his, his point is that Jesus is the anti-type, the fulfillment of that, the better version. Now, in, in, <laughs> sorry, I got sidetracked. Sin came in the world through one man, and death was sin, and death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Well, think about what's being said here. Again, Paul's talking to a Jewish Christian crowd and a Gentile Christian crowd, and, and the argument here is, okay, well, what about the law? Well, sin was certainly in the world before the law was given, and, and we know that. Why? Because the law wasn't given until Moses, Adam and Eve sinned, and their offspring sinned. And there's a revolving door of sinners. Again, the Bible's full of bad people and one good God. That's it. No moralization of it. There were times when David was good, yeah, but there were times when David was terrible. All bad people, one good God. Indeed, the sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Uh, Keep that thought in your, sin is not counted where there is no law. What does the law do then? What's the purpose of the law? When God, not according to Paul, but when God gave the law to the Israelites, what was the purpose of it? Well, we think, well, the, the law is the purpose to, to show you how to live, right? Don't do this. If you do this, you got to do this to make amends, yada, yada, yada. Don't speed. What's the purpose of a speed limit? To keep you from going too fast on a road, right? But sin's not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses when there was no law. Uh, even over those who, uh, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Here we've got to look and say, okay, what's the difference between a sin and a transgression? See, sin existed uh, as a result even without the law. But a transgression is something categorically different. And how is that? I'm driving down the road, Rodney, and you know me, need for speed. Not only am I speeding, but I also fail to turn, to use my turn signal. And I'm tailgating too, probably throwing a beer can at the window. All right, who knows? It's getting wild. Uh, so I'm going down the road, and I'm pulled over. Uh, well, let, let me just do two so I can keep track of them. Uh, I'm speeding, and I'm not using a turn signal, Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I get pulled over uh, by Scott County Sheriff's Department, okay? Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? Mm, why don't you tell me? That way I don't confess. Um, and I said, well, I got you for speeding and fail failure to use the turn signal appropriately. Okay, okay, you might have me there. And he goes back to his cruiser, takes my information, he comes back, he says, hey, man, here's the thing. Um, I, here's a ticket for speeding. You know, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to give you a verbal warning for the, the turn signal. Okay? That's the situation. Now, in that situation, as you sit there in the car with me, which, what am I guilty of? Both, right? 
I'm guilty for the speeding. I'm guilty also for not using my turn signal. What am I being cited for? Just the speed, right? So, so I'm standing before the officer, and the trespass of, of, uh, of, of which one did I say? Uh, turn signal isn't checked on his little book while it's, I'm still guilty of it, okay? And, the, and, and that's kind of the picture that we see here. Uh, even though death reigned from Adam to Moses, uh, even over those whose sinning was not like that of the transgression of Adam. Well, how, how is Adam's a transgression? Yes, but, what, but what's his transgression? Well, not, not being accountable, yeah, right? So God told him specifically, don't eat from that tree, okay? Here's the thing. We don't have to teach our kids how to sin. That comes naturally, right? Punch each other in the face, you, you know, like that just happens, right? Uh, uh, right. <laughs> uh, so you have that. Um, you don't have to teach sin, but transgression is something that's learned. And so what the law did was it elevated, it showed an importance, uh, an elevated status of what a transgression is. It pointed out sin, right? While sin was there, it brought, see, here's what, here's what the law does. It gives us categories to put sins into. You know what I mean? Sin still ex exists without the law because it's the moral code, right? It's written on our hearts. We see that from, from Scripture, but... Um, Okay, um, I've got notes here. I want to make sure I don't get anything messed up here. So let me, oh no. Oh, my notes are gone. Oh yeah. Let's uh, exit out my program and start over. Yikes. I might just have to make it up as I go. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's gone. Okay. Um, so he, uh, here's another picture. Uh, Adam, sin enters the world. Death enters the world uh, as a penalty for sin. Uh, and then the result is all have sinned and all have died. We're living in a status of, of fallen human instead of fully human. Uh, Adam transgressed and into the world all sinned. The, the, the law is given. All under the law transgressed, right? The end result is still they all died. Therefore, Adam is both the father, as Abraham was the father of the Gentiles and the Jews. So was Adam. So was Adam. Whether you know the law or not, you're still under this result of sin. And we see that result today. We feel that result today. Things aren't evolving and getting better. They're devolving and getting worse. How anyone can believe... The things are evolving and getting better blows my mind. And I don't think I'm a doomsday guy, but if you look at the, the, the momentum behind the, the devolving of our world, you know, 10 years ago when I'm preparing to enter ministry and we're talking about, okay, what are the fights going to be in the church? It was never what a, what's a man Who would have predicted that? Not at this level. You know what I mean? Things are clearly devolving. All right. Yet, 
death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those under those who were uh, sinning, which is not like the transgression of Adam, who is the type of the one to come, the type, the mold, the cast. The idea is that the king with a signet ring, right? The king would uh, burn the wax and then stamp his ring into a, uh, a representation. Uh, actually, one, uh, here's a fun one. Uh, Van Gogh has a painting. Are you shocked that I know this? And not only does he have a painting, he has many paintings, right? Uh, but there's one, I think it's Van Gogh. He says uh, it's a painting of a pipe. Have you ever seen that? I think it's Van Gogh. Watch me be wrong. Whatever. Anyway, some painting, um, it's a pipe. And of course, I, well, so I like pipes. Um, there's a painting of a pipe, and it says underneath of it, this is not a pipe. Deep thought. Ready? It's not a pipe. It's paint on a page. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's real. It it, it exists. Uh, I, I told Amanda, you know, Amanda's an artist, and so I told Amanda, yeah, I'm an art connoisseur. Here's my favorite painting. I pulled it up for her, and she said, that's dumb. Uh, so... Um, but it's true, it's a picture of a pipe. It's not, it's not a pipe, it's a picture of a pipe, right? Adam is a type of the one who's to come, a bad type. Sin entered the world through this one man. Let's see how this difference happens. But the, get, the free gift is not like the trespass. The trespass is the act of rebellion against the law given, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through, one's man's, through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for many. Uh, think about what is being said here. <laughs> and again, these two words are key. As I started this week, I had this picture of the, the tornadoes in uh, Western Kentucky, okay? You, you saw I had to look at the map, right? Um, the tornadoes in Western Kentucky uh, this past uh, December, how quickly was everything wrecked? <laughs> Pretty quickly. How quickly are things cleaned up? Incredibly slow process. This is the exact opposite Think of the force. And here's what Paul's painting is a picture of the, of the force of sin entering the world, killing everyone. The force of a tornado walking through a community and, uh, and, and destroying. You got that force not met, not met, not met with an equal opposing force. We've allowed um, Eastern mysticism to infiltrate the church. You know the picture of yin and yang? We think equal and opposing forces. We see this in our movies. We see this in our, in our TV shows. We see this. We see this in our life, subconsciously or not. We have this idea that's, that we've caught that there are two forces, equal and opposing forces. The yin and the yang, the good and the bad. And there's a cosmic battle going on. Yes, there's a battle going on, but here's the thing. God is not equally as strong as Satan. God is more strong, more strong. Yeah, 
Uh, more powerful. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, it's uh, weird, but yeah. Uh, uh, how much more the grace of God? The, the exact opposite of the tornadoes uh, tearing down and the slow rebuild. The tornadoes tear down in a very quick rebuild. Instantaneously now I can find myself in the presence of God redeemed. That's a hard thing to swallow and understand. And you know this, because I don't think I'm alone in thinking, okay, I'm a bad dude, and I struggle with the idea of God being able to instantaneously accept me. Well, I know my thoughts. I know my words. I know that the parts of me that aren't redeemed, Martin Luther, I think I've shared this with you before, on his commentary in Romans chapter 6, he talks about uh, being uh, 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 buried in baptism. Have I showed you this? With, you'll hear it again next week. But that rascal could swim, he says, right? Uh, the old Adam was put to death, but that rascal could swim. I get that. I feel that. I understand that so fully. And I struggle with God. Would you really want to choose me? Paul's painting the picture, saying, hey, listen, as sin entered the world in a catastrophic way, so grace in a much more powerful way, not equal in opposing forces, but much more powerfully comes in when we understand the gravity of God's grace that's been poured out upon us. That grace that accepts me instantaneously, not because of who I am. See, see we fall into this trap of thinking, uh, I'm not worthy, and so my very religious mind, much like the first century Jew, uh, my religious mind is going to say, okay, I'm going to try to live right and do right in order to earn. But it's useless. As Paul says, you can't earn. You, you can't be good enough. And so you've got to step back and say, when you understand the gravity of what God has done, it's Without limit. I can't earn it. And so the free gift of grace by one man for the many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. What was the result of the one man's sin? Death, right? Condemnation. For the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation. As a result of sin, there's going to be condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. This free gift brings not what you earn, but what you don't earn in a renewed self, a renewed spot. For if uh, because of one man's trespass, death reigned uh, through that one man. Look at this. This is interesting and neat. For if... Because of one man's trespass, that's who? Natural question, Adam, right? Death reigned. What's reigning? Death. Death is reigning through that one man. Much more, watch, what would you expect Paul to say if he's going to do a parallel here? Because of one man's trespass, death reigned. Much more because of one man's sin, Life reigned is what you would expect. But look what Paul says here. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Who's reigning? No. I know. Sorry. Look again, though. Who's reigning in the second half? 
those who receive the abundance of grace. It's restored humanity. No longer fallen human, but fully human. That's what Paul talks about in the already and not yet of salvation. We are already saved historically. Really, there's three layers here. Historically, on the the event of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection brings us salvation. We're saved when we receive that salvation, when we surrender our lives to God. And we will be saved, Paul will teach, when Christ returns and consummates creation again. In the same way, as death reigns through the trespasses of one man, life isn't reigning. Those who receive this gift of grace reign in life. The, 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 look at the restoration that's possible. I mean, I, th- I think this is just such a beautiful, a beautiful thing. I, I struggle sometimes. I know I'm forgetting all kinds of things that I've written here, so forgive me, but I, I struggle with, God, can you really accept me? Can you really um, accept who I am? Uh, oh, we've got more here, sorry. Uh, Therefore, as the one trespass led to con- condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. We understand and we feel the reality of what Adam has done. If that can be true and is, is uh, easily seen, then how much more then can't the, the, can, can, the, can the sacrifice of Christ lead to righteousness and justification in life? For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law, twice in, in this section, Paul in, interjects the law. And the point that he's making is the law just elevates. Again, he's talking to Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians here. And Jewish Christians who hold fast to this, this legalistic, law-based faith system that they've grown up in. And he says, now again, this law that you're proud of, understandably, it's the oracles of God that were entrusted to you. However... These laws came in just to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The, the, what the law's purpose was to show our need. The fact that we will fail, that we this If the law can save, Paul will say, we'll go live by the law. And what's going to happen? You're not going to find salvation. Why? Because you're fallen human. Next time someone says, hey, what do you expect from me? I'm just human. Say, mm, actually, you're fallen human. And this is like your boss, and then that might not go well. Um, you're, you're fallen human. But where sin increased, grace demanded all the more. These are not equal and opposing forces. Uh, the grace of God, what God has done, far outweighs. Again, to return to the mantra that he uses here, uh, how much more? If sin can reign in this way, how much more can grace reign? The comparison that he started back in verse 12. Um, Therefore, just as sin came through the world through one man and death 
through sin and so death separated uh, because all have sinned here in verse 20 i'm sorry here in verse 18 um no 19 20 hold on what's my point Now the law came in to increase the impress where the sin increased grace by all more. In verse 21. Well, I don't know. I can't, for, I, I've, I've lost my point. Hold on. Uh, let's look at 21 again. Grace by all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we can accept the reality of what Adam has done, can we not accept the reality of what Christ has done? That's Paul's point here. Uh, I like, I, there's a Puritan um, uh, theologian who, who said this, there's more grace in Jesus than sin that's in me. So that's a great way to summarize this chunk. There is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in me. I had more notes to share with you, but for some strange reason, my document has disappeared. Yeah, that's what I get. It stops after verse 14. My fear is that... <clears throat> My fear is that it's deleted itself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any questions, comments? Rodney. Oh, you got to have a question now. It's time to go. How much more now? How much more now? Because yeah. I wrote that down. And I mean, I really read it. And I'm like, well, I heard his dog too. Hmm. And then he read it again. And he's like, so that man, he's, he's with me going through this fight with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if so it really struck a nerve in me. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. He's not even the co-pilot. He'll fly. Yeah. Get out of the, get get out of his way. You know. Again, if if God will work so passionately for you while you're enemies with him, he'll send his son to die in your place while you are an enemy deserving of wrath. It's not that you broke God's rules. It's that you actively break God's rules. It's not that you, you sin, it's that you purposely trespass against his, his rules. If, if God who works so hard when we're enemies and won't give up on us when we're enemies, how much more now that we're friends? We've got to shift our understanding. We've got to help our kids see that God is not a God sitting in the clouds waiting to strike us with a, 
with a with a um, lightning bolt. Thank you. <laughs> What's the thing you throw? Um, God's not waiting to strike us with a lightning bolt. Instead, he's he's fighting for us. What's that song? The God of Angel Armies is on your side. Something like that. I, I won't sing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- fantastic. I mean, yeah. And here, the, the grace that's in Jesus is much more. Listen, there's no yin and yang in Christianity. God's more powerful. And what sin destroyed in a heartbeat got restored much quicker through Christ. Now, you know that old gospel quartet song? God still, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make this moon and the stars. Have you ever thought, like, why did it take God so long? Why did it take God six days to build the world? You know, that's, that's uh, I'll go off the topic here because, what time is it? Yeah, 741. Let me ask you this. And this is what we need to teach our children. Many people bark against Christianity because they say, well, so, listen, God's not. Especially if, if you're a young earth creationist, of which I am. Now, listen, there's debate there, I understand. Amongst Christian brothers and sisters, there's debate as to whether or not God created the world in six literal days, which I believe he did. Um, and I believe it was roughly 6,000 years ago, not millions of years ago. Um, there's debate. I don't care how you believe you don't believe with me, you're wrong. But, um, but that's that's on you, and that's I'm okay with that. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's insane. That's you know denying science and all that stuff. There's all kinds of reasons to to be asked. But it's one of the things I often people say, John, do you really believe that God created the world, the universe, everything that exists in six days? Do you really believe that? And my response is. I know it's hard to believe. Why didn't they do it quicker? You know what I mean? I mean, their, their point is, that's awful quick. And my, thing, my point is, God's pretty powerful. You know? Now, could he have done it? Well, okay. That's one. The, the, second, the second issue there, though, with creation and I would encourage you to be a young earth creationist as I am. Here's why. People, there's, a, there's a sect of Christians, and maybe you're one of these, and you say, well, I believe that God created, but he created through the process of the Big Bang and evolution or whatever. If that's your stance, that's fine. Uh, you, you've got to answer as to why you believe that. But let me ask you this. Evolution. So, so many people say that, well, I believe God created uh, through evolution, evolution over hundreds of thousands of years god god created the big bang or whatever here's the problem with that where does where does death come from then where's death come from sin where's where where see the bible gives us a an origin point of death and sin and that's in the garden with adam and eve but if Adam and Eve don't really exist, and God created through evolution over hundreds of thousands of millions of years, 
then that means things were evolving and, and growing and dying and growing and dying for a long time, long before there was an account of sin. So where, what's the origin of sin then? And ultimately, what's the origin of death? See, in the, the theocratic evolution, crap, that's not right. Um, oh, man. Well, yeah, why is there male and female? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good that's a good one too. Like like like. Right, yes. So why again devolve, right? Well, it's it's a ty- it, but it's. They are what's the word there? Oh man, you can't ask me for words. To fertilize. Yeah. Yeah. Theocratic? No. Anyway, my my point is this. Uh, The the answer that our children need desperately in in this world today is where does sin come from? Why does sin happen? You know what I mean? These other things don't answer that question. But our kids need to know that. They need to know why is there sin and death. Where does it, what's the origin story of that? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we often think about the devil being the equal and opposite of God. No. The devil's a created being. And of course, there's a lot we could say there, but um, a created be- God created the devil. Which is kind of interesting to think about. God can do everything, right? God is pure, holy, and good. But God created the devil, who is evil. He didn't create him, but he gave him the capacity for evil. So God can, God's still the origin story of evil as well, right? So. Well, n- no, in in the sense, like yes, there are. At, I've been on this kick recently again, because we've got to be able to answer f- the why behind the evils in our world today. So, I, like last night, I fell asleep watching uh, the Jamestown Massacre, right? A documentary about um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Jim Jones, right? Because I'm fascinated by that stuff. And then the day before, two days before, I, I watched a documentary about some other. Uh, preaching evil is the, the, the documentary. It deals with uh, Warren Jeffs with the fundamentalist um, Mormon community and child rapists and all that stuff. Uh, terrible dude, terrible dude. Um, but we've got to be able to answer those, for those things. Um, what was my point? Oh, can, can we be as evil as? Absolutely. Only, only characteristically we are different, Right? Like, you can be incredibly evil, incredibly evil, but ca- categorically, I'm sorry, not characteristically, ca- categorically we are different because we are a created being, different in different substance, different quality, different characteristics than Satan and his uh, uh, angels and demons. You know what I mean? Like we're a different category of created being. So not the same, but certainly evil. In, in fact, Paul says that uh, those who suppress the truth, inventing new evils. Kind of like 
Uh huh. Yeah. How do you explain demon possession? Fallen human, one. And then we also have to deal with generational sin, two. And then the third element uh, is um, because we're fallen human, I, and I don't, I don't know where this line is, but I know that there's a line in between, somewhere in between um, chemical imbalance and demonic spirit. And I don't know where that line is. It's hard to... There's no magic formula or button for it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, like, I think there are some people who are born with chemical imbalances and their brains aren't firing correctly. They need medications to be able to level out and fix. So my, Amanda's uncle, um, of course, he was a, he, so in college, he smoked a lot of pot, uh, as most did in the 70s. And then one day he got high and he ne he was never right again. S something trick uh, kicked in his brain and. All of a sudden, he's paranoid schizophrenic for the rest of his life, uh, unable to keep a job, do anything. Uh, that's why there's such a big push, and this is a controversial topic uh, in many Christian circles. I am adamantly against mer the legalization of medical of of, of uh, recreational marijuana. Listen, if you if you're in chronic pain, smoke it, eat it, whatever. I, mean, I don't care. Um, but the recreational use of it is it, it is again incredibly different than alcohol. For multiple reasons, any of us that have ever smoked it or dealt with it know that I can drink a beer and be fine. There's, there's no. Right. There's, there's no. Uh, like, like, at what point are you not intoxicated by marijuana? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if there is one. I certainly never found it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. But. And even today, we have more and more research that shows that there is, while I would, I would love to be able to say, yes, smoke it, it's fine. St the statistics behind show us, I mean, I should probably edit that, Jen and I, Rodney. Anyway, the statistics behind it, <laughs> cut that one. Uh, of course, you just said amen, so just, 
<laughs> Rodney. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. That's all a joke. That never happened. Um, I'm going to edit this. Um, but but, but um, we have plenty of research now that shows that while not for everyone, right, I might smoke it every day and be fine. I've got friends of mine who smoke on a daily basis. They own their companies. They run their companies. They perform fine in the world. And, and they're respectable citizens you'd never guess, right? Running multi-million dollar companies here in Georgetown, you'd never guess. And they smoke. They take a couple of hits a day and they live. But then there are some people, and we can see the science behind it, where you smoke it, something kicks, and you're never the same. Yeah, so don't play that game, homeboy, you know? Um, I was telling you that to tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, again, the Christian life, and here's the thing we need to teach your children. The Christian life is about discipline, right? Be controlled by nothing. I don't care if it's nicotine or marijuana or um, or chicken wings. <laughs> right? Listen. Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't. Amanda, like, like it's getting to a point where, um, like, she'll make cookies. I can't walk past the cookies without eating one. And I'm like, what the world, you know? And of course, they're good cookies. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm not. Like, anyway. You're good with cookies? I've got a buddy of mine. He's allergic to chocolate. He's like, you can have all the cookies. Again, <laughs> now you're insecure, aren't you? <laughs> um, anyway, listen, we gotta we gotta quit. Um, I feel like I was making a point, but I lost it. So, yeah, I gotta quit. I gotta quit that. Yeah. 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 I think uh, generally it's 25 for females, 26 for males. And then if, if and, and as we talked about last week, if you don't allow your children to go through suffering in some regards, um, it stunts their growth, right? We've got to allow our kids to suffer some areas, right? Some pain. Uh, we've got to make sure that they're not they're not removing suffering from their lives, you know. So instead of suffering, I'm going to as uh, the Today Show this morning, some actress, I can't remember who it was. I, I had to ask Amanda who it was, but an actress, and she started drinking alcohol when she was in middle school, and then she continued that, and she, of course she developed, uh, and she became an alcoholic, and then all kinds of other stuff. Uh, but that was her escape. And so as an adult now, she's, you know, probably in her uh, late 40s, early 50s now, uh, but she really, I mean, and you see the cycle throughout her life. 
it's like the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard stuff. Like you're adults. <laughs> you're adults. And to listen to their testimonies about one another and the way they lived, I'm thinking, you're you're adults. Yeah, isn't that love, right? Like, let me capture my spouse in the most. Uh, What's wrong with you guys? You know, you're adults. So why are you acting like children? Well, it's because since you were children, you've coped and you've escaped pain. You've escaped suffering in alcohol or sex or whatever. And so you don't think like an adult. You're, you're, you got stupid thinking. Anyway, <laughs> Romans 5, 12 through 21 pushes. While we know and we live in the effects of Adam, if, if one is true, the other is certainly acceptable, and that is that God's grace is more than our sin. That being said, let me pray for us. Uh, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here to dive into your word. I thank you for these families that are represented here. I pray that you continue to grow in us, strengthen us as we pursue you. I lift up our children, and I pray, Lord, that you continue to point them uh, to you. Allow us to be good ambassadors of your name. We thank you for Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.